0: And right view ultimately means a profound understanding of the nature of Dukkha. The Buddha points out that the uh, awakening as he describes it is simply understanding stress, understanding Dukkha, but at its most profound level, which means um, ultimately we stop taking things personally and applying um, personal views onto other people. how many of you read the, uh, please come on screen if you could, so I can ask questions and see you. How many of you read the new, the brilliant New Year's Eve message that I sent out on Sunday? Who I, on screen did? Yeah, I did. So that was almost a prelude to this in that, um, and we're going to put more of a focus on this as the year goes on. There, in the Dhamma, we're dealing with the three defilements, and it is the three defilements of greed, aversion, and diluted thinking that coalesce and become ossified in five clinging aggregates. And I know I'm using a lot of strange words to describe something, but it'll, it'll become a little bit more clear. But if we can understand that because we start taking things personal and we start clinging these disparate aggregates apart and say, yep, that's me, and start attaching an endless, um, I don't want to say a list, an endless bag of stuff as we go through our life that we say, yeah, this is me, and yeah, that's not me. And we create an ideology about it. Some of us might be proud that we're no longer racist, or we're no longer um, eat too much meat, or we no longer yell at baseball games. Whatever it is that we create an identity over, that's our prison. No matter how, um, how altruistic that self-referential view might be, it's still hurtful and it's hurtful to the individual and it's hurtful to the people we'll come, we encounter in the world. Simply because we'll be we'll be pushing an ideology rather than simply being a reference point to what's occurring, which is where we're going with all of this. So this, this sutta to start this off is called the Khanda Sutta. Khanda is a Pali word. Uh, Sanskrit is the, uh, Skanda is a Sanskrit word um, and as with all of the Pali language, you have to understand the context in which a word is used to discern its meaning, just like the, the Dhamma is. You have to understand the context what, in which Siddhartha Gotama taught if you're going to be able to develop the Dhamma. And of course, every, the context is dependent origination and four noble truths. And it wasn't until I realized that that any of this made any sense to me. And now I'm this brilliant Dhamma teacher. Somebody called me the, one of the most brilliant Buddhist teachers Around today, and I have to say I agree with that. <laughs> David and I had this interesting talk. It even if I am, when I take my last breath, it's just a six-property person saying bye-bye. So again, it, it's it's silly to look at our, look at ourselves in those kind of terms, no matter what it is, whether I'm the worst or the best. Um, so conda is, in this sense, it's translated to mean a heap, which is. When you're describing the five clinging aggregates as a heap, that's just what it is. It's a heap of stuff that we're dragging around through our lives. Another way of looking at it is the stump of a tree. And a stump of a tree is old and rotten, but it's also hard and intransigent. And that's another good way of looking at what we are. It's a five clinging aggregates, this conda, this, this, this stump of a tree. But also a stump of a tree, when fire is applied to it, will burn away. And so awakening as the buddha describes it he uses the word nibbana and nibbana in that uh pali term means extinguished as in the fires of passion have been extinguished so you can see how the buddha's words although that at first they might seem a little odd and how do i apply it but they're just perfect for describing the condition of dukkha the Sutta, the five aggregates the buddha was in savati he addressed those gathered Friends, I will now teach you the five aggregates and the five clinging aggregates. Listen carefully. So there's an important distinction between the aggregates and the five clinging aggregates. Much like the Dhatu Vibhanga Sutta teaches us that each, every human being is made up of six properties and nothing more. And so every human being uses the vehicle of the aggregates to animate their own life. The problem becomes when we start taking these disparate aggregates, even though they're close together, these disparate aggregates and clinging them together and saying, that's me. The Buddha asked the the rhetorical question. So what are the five aggregates? Whatever form is seen as past, future or present, internal or external, obvious or subtle, common or sublime, near or far. This is called the form aggregate. So what are we talking about? Past, future, present, internal, external, obvious, subtle, common, or sublime near or far the parts that can't be experienced as a human being are the mystical connotations we want to apply to our lives. We want to make ourselves more than just a six property person. And as soon as we do that, we start the ball rolling towards deeper and deeper ignorance and Dukkha. In much, um, uh, spirituality, but even just in the self-help movement, I, I grew up in the in the in, when the self-help movement was really blossoming, and there were all kinds of great teachers teaching all these different methods, of of recognizing how bad you were in the past, beat yourself up over it in some method, whether it's through long analysis or trying to find blame, with a hope that in the future you're going to be a better human being, past, future, or present. That's what the Buddha is talking about. Again, in the most practical way, when we think if I could just lose two pounds before my date on Friday night, that's going to be it. We've lost our mind. It doesn't mean that if you find yourself a little bit overweight and unhealthy that you shouldn't lose weight. But if you do it from a self-centered point of view, it's always going to be difficult and it's always going to hurt. Obvious or subtle. Most religious and spiritual practices during the Buddhist time and our time focus more on what we might be in the subtle realms or in heaven or in Buddhist words, the Tulsita Buddhist heaven. Um, in Muslim terms, it might be that that heaven that you get to with the, with, what is it, the, the 70 virgins or something like that. You never got that quite right. Um, or even just a Christian heaven. What and again, nothing against religion, but what the Buddha is teaching is how to be present for this human life in this moment, moment by moment, how to be a reference point to what's occurring. So all of this is taking ourselves out of the present moment. When we when we want the form to be anything other than just this form, it's now become a clinging aggregate. So Drake, let me go back to the beginning because Drake, no, I'm not go back. I couldn't remember what I said anyway. Welcome back, Drake. Oh, thank you. Into the next aggregate. We just touched on the form aggregate. And briefly, I was just describing how we apply all different qualities to the form aggregate. We, We tend to drag it from the past into the present, out into the future. We do that with our minds as well. And all of that is taking us out of our body. So everybody has a form. But when we start clinging it to these other aggregates is when we get into trouble. The next aggregate the Buddha describes is the feeling aggregate. Whatever feeling is seen as past, future or present. How many times do we project a feeling into tomorrow's business meeting or tomorrow's encounter with someone and so and so? Internal or external. If I just pray enough or meditate in the future, I'll have this great realization. Internal and external, obvious or subtle, common or sublime, near or far. This is called the feeling aggregate. So no matter what we do to the feeling aggregate. We can project it into the future. We can drag it from the past. It's still just the feeling aggregate. Just like we can never change a six property person. We cannot change these aggregates, but our experience of it can be drastically altered and create stress and suffering. The Buddha continues. Whatever perception is seen as past, future or present, internal or external, obvious or subtle, common or sublime, near or far. This is called a perception aggregate, form, feeling, perception, right? We can all recognize these qualities in ourselves. Whatever mental fabrications are seen as past, future, or present, internal, external, obvious or subtle, common or sublime, near or far. This is called the fabrication, fabrication aggregate. We do this to ourselves, don't, don't we? We first perceive, in the case of most human beings, that there's something lacking in this human being. I need to have a, a more of a spiritual base, more of a religious base, more of this, more of that. That's called self-loathing. It's an extreme term, but it describes that I think I'm not quite good enough. Or some people go to the extreme that I'm the lowest piece of garbage there is on the planet. Or to cover all that up, you might insist that you are the greatest when you're really not. Muhammad Ali could get away with it. Most people can't. So that perception that I just had is now becoming solidified from my life experience. I've insisted that I'm something other than that six property person. I made that my identity. And now it's become my prison. That's a fabrication. That's a mental fabrication. It's a construct now. And it and now it starts bleeding into my moment-by-moment thinking. This is called the fabrications aggregate whatever consciousness the Buddha says, whatever consciousness is seen as past, future, or present, right? For the probably the first 10 years in Buddhist practice, <coughs> most of my thoughts were driven back to past lives. And what was I? And if I could start remembering these past lives, that would indicate that I'm awakening now, because that's how it was presented. And most of modern, a lot of modern Buddhism presented that you know you're awakening when you start this process of recalling The myriad past lives is usually how it's presented. Every time the Buddha mentions the past, he says, don't go there. Whatever consciousness is seen as past, future, present, internal, external, obvious or subtle, common or sublime, near or far. This is called simply the consciousness aggregate. No matter how much I might think of my brilliant mind and how smart I am. All it is is just this thinking tool that every human being has. Why should I be so Why should I take it so personally? Right? It's just thinking. It's what it means to be a human being, form, feeling, perceptions, mental fabrications, and consciousness. And when we start clinging these things together through self-identification is when we get into trouble. The Buddha concludes that by saying, these are known as the five clinging aggregates. Now, Whatever form is seen as past, future or present, internal or external, obvious or subtle, common or sublime, near or far, becomes clingable and is sustained by ignorance of four noble truths. That's what causes all the issues. And I, I know we keep coming back to this. The only thing we're learning here is four noble truths. There is dukkha. There is a cause for dukkha. Cessation of dukkha is possible and the Eightfold Path is the path leading to the cessation of dukkha. That's it. That's all we need to do. Likewise, whatever feeling, perception, fabrication or consciousness is seen as past, future or present, internal or external, obvious or subtle, common or sublime, near or far, becomes clingable and is sustained by ignorance. Now, this it, this walk down memory lane from the past, present to future, when we're addressing the consciousness aggregate in the present, we're not talking about um, the well-concentrated refined mindfulness. We're talking about a fabricated view of this mind. So it might be that, yeah, somebody called me the world's greatest Buddhist teacher of all time. And that really must be it because that's what I want to be. And it means that I'm better. It means that I don't have to wallow in that self-loathing. I need a label above everybody else. Do you see the prison I've created in myself and the stress and suffering or any other way that I think I should be in this moment? Whenever I think I need to be different than I find myself in this moment, I've lost my mind. And it doesn't mean I might not recognize something that it would be very skillful to change. Such a, I, The last couple of days I've been talking with someone who's doing his best to get off of alcohol. And it's really hard, I know, because I've done it. The hardest thing to get past that way of thinking is I need a drink or I need a drug. But you think it so often that it goes from a perception, which of course it is, right? A perception that a a drink would be good right now to a fabrication. I need to have it. So an addiction is a good description of a fabrication, how it's overtaken our consciousness. But guess what, folks? We're all addicted to something, even if it's just ongoing eye making ongoing stress. All of these, all of these form, feeling, perception, mental fabrication, and consciousness become clingable and sustained by ignorance. Overcome the ignorance, abandon ignorance. And what happens? The five clinging aggregates are just just aggregates. The six property person is just a six property person. And now we are a reference point to what's occurring. Always calm, always peaceful, always present for this life. The Buddha concludes all of that, all this great teaching, very simply by saying these are all called the five clinging aggregates. That's the sutta. So when I first read this, I was a little bit confused because it it felt like the Buddha is leaving me stuck in this five clinging aggregate person. And he does in this sutta. But that's what the rest of Dharma practice is concerned, is it will address. So we're starting this out right view where we right need to be, understanding that I am this, this five clinging aggregate person. And as I start developing the Dhamma through jhana meditation and integrating the Eightfold Path, I start releasing form from feeling and feeling from perception and perception from fabrication and fabrication from consciousness. And then our minds are truly malleable and supple in calm no matter what is occurring. So Brian, I want to hear what you have to say about tonight's
1: Sutta. Uh, thank you, John. Um, it, they are so intricately close together, each of them. Yeah. Um, and it's it's not until you develop some concentration with Jhana that you can see them manifesting in and of themselves, which does help kind of uh, disaggregate them a bit. So you can see that. So it's, it's interesting that you are you are the six property person, at the same time that you are the the five aggregates, like all that's just different facets of the same existence. Yep. And a different a different way of explaining the reference point.
0: Yeah, only to develop the dollar,
1: right? right.
0: The, the, right. Be, being a six property person or understanding five-clinging aggregate doesn't mean anything to anybody, and it shouldn't, but right. it does to us.
1: Right. That's all I got. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Brian. Jeff, good evening.
1: Good evening. Yeah, so I've got more of a question, I think. Please. Uh, um, there, I feel like there's something subtle, kind of slipping away from me when I think about this. But what what I what I think I see is this is about um, value judgments, uh, mm. a personal value judgment about each of these qualities that turns it to a clinging aggregate as opposed to just a um, just, just a condition, uh,
0: mm-hmm. in the moment. Um, it, do I do I perceive that correctly? Uh, I, absolutely. That's that is, and that relates directly to the four foundations of mindfulness, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. And so we, we see it in that way. It, it's just this, um, and in the moment, you know, it, it, um, scientists, but well, most people can understand this. From one moment to the next, my body, your body, is completely different. Millions of cells are born each moment, and millions die away. And you know that whole process of elimination, and that happens throughout our body and throughout our, our brain, our, our thinking mechanism as well. So even in a, in a purely scientific way, we are new each and every moment. So let's be present for that. And if we can do what this sutta is pointing us towards, not dragging the past into the present and projecting it into the future, which is what the clinging aggregates insist on, then we can just be present for what's arising, just that way. Thank you, Jeff.
2: Thank you. Hello, Drake. Oh, hello, yeah, Uh, well, thank you. Um, Yeah, I was just curious if you could explain a little bit more about what makes it clinging Versus non-cleaning. Um, yeah. And thank I, you. I was kind of, yeah, okay, thank
0: you. So we, we talk a lot about eye-making or taking things personal. It is by taking the form aggregate personal. This is me. When I was 15, when I was, well, 10 to ten to 65, I thought that I was going to play center field for the Yankees, and it never happened. That, that didn't last quite yeah. till I was 65, but... Um, Any time that I take this form personally and think that it should be different in some way, I'm clinging to it, aren't I, mm-hmm. through that idea. And the same thing with a perception and now leading to a mental fabrication that is feeding my ongoing thinking that somehow. I need to be different or you need to be different or the world needs to be different. The, the New Year's message related to this, too, and the, the, uh, the three defilements. Anytime I need myself, another person, the world, or this moment to be any different, I'm clinging myself to these aggregates in one form or another. Are you are you following that?
2: Uh yeah, I yeah, am. That makes sense. So uh-huh. No, please go ahead. Well, I can kind of see that identifying with it as I and mine and then um, like you say, wanting it to be different, like craving for something other than or trying to and then also like going into the future, like imagining something bad's gonna happen and then getting angry because you you want to stop something that you're just imagining that isn't even real. It's just like a fabrication or whatever.
0: Yeah, or that I that I might acquire something that makes me special somehow or or you know fulfills me or you know whatever that might be. But all of it is taking me out of this moment and it's part of these five clinging aggregates, right? Do you see how how we go from just being a a five aggregate person, if you will, to a five clinging aggregate person by just attaching ourselves to this own corrupted view of what it means to be a human being?
2: Yeah, and I was kind of wondering about that, like with the consciousness, like, um, is it that to have like, uh, like you sometimes use that word refined mindfulness, so like, to, to have a kind of a awareness that just allows everything to flow um, without identifying, but you're like you're present and you're able to respond to whatever needs to happen, kind of.
0: Yeah, in a much more meaningful way than ever before. And that, when I say uh, we become a reference point to what's occurring, that's what I mean. It doesn't mean that um, you're, it doesn't mean that you're passive in any way. In fact, we find as we, Develop this and get closer and closer to that that each moment feels much more vital You know simply because we're present. And we're not looking past this moment for something to fulfill us. It's just what's arising um, There was something else. I wanted to say that you were pointing to uh, it, it, it slipped my mind. I'm sorry, but it might come back John. Swiss cheese mine. Yes,
1: it's also it, it, I guess the problem kind of with this sutta is he does kind of leave you and really what this whole practice is pointing toward is the insight the understanding of yep. the remarks yep. because without that you're just what well, is the difference between claiming. Well, it's the insight that's it's in from there yeah. that it's not what you are and if you don't have that understanding there will be the self-interrupted suffering. So that's right. It's, you know, the Buddha can't clump it all together all at once and explain it all at once. So he, he kind of has to take it along the way. But it would be nice to, like, why? I, I take this teaching, what do I need to do? Well, I need to have understanding. Yeah. I need a, like, an insight. Yeah,
0: they, they, everybody heard what David said. So the the reason why I'm starting this seven class structure study with this is because this sutta does lead to the to the next six. And but we also have the background for this. We understand that we're we're resolving this issue of a of a of the five clinging aggregates and we're releasing them to be just what they are. Uh, and that that last aggregate, the conscious now, this is what I wanted to mention to you, Drake. Today, I mean, I, I grew up being taught that the word consciousness was something that was always evolving. And that as a human species, we're, we're on the verge of a new age of Aquarius, as I was put back way back by the fifth dimension, if anybody remembers that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the inference was that the human species is right there. We're, we're going to explode into this new kind of consciousness Doesn't seem like that to me. The same issues we're having, we had 2,600 years ago when Siddhartha was walking around are still here today. We still haven't learned how to stop killing each other and hating each other, et cetera, et cetera. That doesn't mean that as a species we're wonderful people, but we haven't learned anything. We really haven't learned to do what Rodney King was wondering about. Why can't we all get along? Because we're ignorant. We're ignorant of Four Noble Truths. And so the consciousness is not some grand consciousness that we're talking about. And there is no other consciousness that we're concerned about as human beings, but human consciousness, and human consciousness is simply thinking. It's the, the, the human consciousness is what's going on in my mind right now. Human consciousness is what's going on in your minds right now. And there's, I don't, know, I can't remember how many billions of people there are on the planet. There's a lot. And how many?
3: Seventy-eight. eight.
0: Trillion. Billy, what? seven seven or eight billion people on a planet, that means there's seven or eight billion consciousnesses. And none of them are connected. They can't be. I mean, you know, it just isn't. It's it's a it's a fabrication to think that somehow our, our my mind is connected to your mind. And when we start letting go of that, that's even an aspect of clinging, isn't it? And I see that a lot kind of the knee jerk reaction to to um this one world, one mind kind of cosmic consciousness, that's to me, that's just another aspect of clinging. And it's a huge distraction. And when we resolve ourselves to being a six property person with five aggregates that make me a, make make me what I am, now I'm at peace because I don't have to be anything else. I understand what I am. But I can strive for something in this moment, like try to do the best I can teaching the Dhamma because that's important to me. But, you know, if I don't if I don't see myself as the world's greatest Buddhist teacher, I'm okay with that. I don't have to. You understand? Um, And I'm not setting myself up as I was so wonderful. This is the whole point. What else can I be? I could have played center field for the Yankees and been better than Mickey Mantle. But I'm still a six property person. And if I keep thinking, I have to maintain that image of myself. Mickey was a, Mickey Mantle was a, was a, was a probably the only idol I ever have. And that's even probably stretching it. But I, I, I knew a lot about him and towards the end of his life, he regretted the life that he lived. And I felt how sad that this guy's recognized as one of the greatest baseball players of all time, which really is meaningless, isn't it? But still he had, at the end of his life, he felt like he wasted his life. And I'm so, I feel so fortunate because I was so close to that. And now I don't feel like that. I was just telling David the um, ordinary moments are just so special to me because I don't need them to be any different than they are. So I'll I'll leave it at that. So did that little bit of talking about consciousness, did that help too, Drake?
2: Uh, It did, but it also left me a little confused because I could see how you could say like the thinking mind is, unique to each one of us, moment by moment, and it's impermanent and not self. Um, but kind of going back to uh, nirvana and liberation, it, it it seems like, like when the Buddha talked about like, being unbinding, unbinding, I always kind of imagine as unbinding awareness from conditioned mind, like the actual is. awareness is, you know, uh, like eternal, ever present and whole and complete, just as it is. Uh, And it's always present with us, just it's covered up by our fundamental ignorance. We don't recognize it because we're identified with our aggregates.
0: Yes, that's the right way to see consciousness. But to take it just a little step further, that consciousness that we're talking about is nothing special. It's no more special than my left foot. It's just it's just part of being a human being. It's, It's remarkable what we can what human beings can do with their thinking, can't they? But again, it's just human thinking. So human thinking might have got us to the moon and maybe to Mars, and it's maybe figured out all kinds of incredible things. I was just talking to a doctor about a procedure that was done on me. I can't believe they can do it. But again, it's just it's just human thinking.
3: Right. And then there's
0: Pele, who can do tremendous things with his left foot. Yeah. They, Pele. You know, there, there's people that have remarkable and somewhat unique skills, but it's still coming out of that human being. And, And whether we're somebody who might end up recognized like Pele or Mickey Mantle or even the great John Haspel, (laughs) we're just just, I keep going back to what what the what the only other person I ever idol idolized was. I am what I am. Popeye. (laughs) Popeye. (laughs) And when we don't want to be anything, I mean, you know, my life got so much better when I stopped trying to be something other than what I am. You know, and and some people, when you look at me and what I am, it ain't much. But it sure is wonderful in this moment. It really is. (laughs) Thank you, Dre. Jane, what do you think about all this?
2: Uh. There you are.
3: Wait, (laughs) right right there. Thank you. you. Gotcha. I think that everyone can speak about this very eloquently. I look at it very simply and i I actually like your popeye analysis the best (laughs) i mean i am what i am and i'm at peace with that now rather than before when i thought i had to be this that and the next thing and this is so much better so i like the popeye analysis thank you you too
0: you're just right just as you are there you go (laughs) thanks jane Dhamma teacher kevin
1: hi john Thanks for the teaching. I don't know if I could say it
2: better with how Jane just left it. That's that's heartfelt, and I like what you said about Popeye. Yeah, what you are, you are what you are, and uh, I guess
0: yeah, I'm what you am, yeah, what I am. But I don't have to eat the green eggs and ham, right? So, <laughs> so, so I've been I've been giving it my all this last uh, forty five minutes of talk, and you're boiling it all down to I am what I am. <laughs>
1: No, oh, five aggregates are bound together by ignorance of four noble truths.
0: Yeah, and I am what I am. Thanks, Kevin. Brett, how are you, Do you mind? You know, you, mind being you like being on time. There's Brett. Hello, Brett. Hey. Um,
1: <laughs> good to be here
3: tonight.
0: Um, and, uh, Glad you're here.
1: Cheers, <laughs> Laura. <laughs> da, 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 da. I, don't know if I can
0: talk. I'm laughing.
3: For the rest of the night. Um, I guess it's, uh, I wrote down so many things, but yeah, John, this was an excellent talk and um, this is slightly tangential, but I thought it was kind of a perfect example, kind of what happened last night um, to that football player,
2: oh, uh, yeah. Mark yeah. Hamlin, yeah. it was
3: just interesting. I'm, not, I'm no longer on Twitter or social media or anything, but it's interesting how what we've talked about tonight you know a tragedy like that happens people i think one newscaster said it perfectly like people almost feel the need to become like to go to 10 minute medical school and then start kind of mm-hmm. posting things like what happened to him yeah you know this is the diagnosis now this is or, yeah. and then they start bickering with each other and there's this need to kind of you know Especially during really poignant moments or tragic times like that, rather than just kind of let things unfold, yeah. There's like this fear and desire, you know, which leads to further becoming. You know, you talked yeah. about it in your New Year's message. Because people are frightened, or they don't, they want an explanation, you know, what happened. But then that can lead to fabrication, you yeah. know, of reality. Whereas it was interesting just to see the people that kind of. You know, maybe went to the vigil and they just outside the hospital and they just placed a candle there and just, Mm -hmm. you know, were present there. So it was like interesting. And
1: all these things, the perceptions, the perceptions are, you know, everything is is being blown up. Blown up, inflated.
0: You know, so many people have it, old phrase, but so many people have to put their own two cents in when you really don't know. I mean, what happened? A guy got really hurt on a football field we all hope he's okay.
3: You know, I
0: don't, I don't need to it's, get into, I mean, I, I heard somewhere where the people were, were calling for the end of the NFL and all this and how terrible the, you know, it, it, it. instead of, you know, it's, it's what happened in the world. Duca occurs. It's really, and so let's, let's hope the tragedy. guy's okay. Yeah. It's and, a
3: tragedy, but you know, we have this tendency to, because of, you know, these ignorance and the five cleaning aggregates, we have this, tendency to, even I was trying to do it, I was like going to 10-minute medical school and trying to look sure. up all this stuff, like, oh, was it this cardiac thing mm-hmm. or was it something else? And it's like, why, you know, why do we do that? It's just leads to further fabricated yeah. The
0: guy reality. got hit hard, he had a heart attack. And...
3: Like some yeah. cardiac arrest, but who, you know, yeah. it's like we don't know everything.
0: Yeah, again, what I what I noticed, I think I just looked on the news for about two or three minutes, was that the both teams got together and they took I an. Mean, I don't, you know, I don't know that there's anything good about prayer except that they put everybody together, it focused them, and they did something that they felt was good, and it touched everybody. So, I mean, again, that's a good example of, you know, there's nothing wrong with prayer or any any of the, anything else, because it has a place and there it is. Mm-hmm. Um, You're right
3: when you say it, how easily things like even that can fall into, you know, fabrication or, you know, a mystical, magical experience rather than just being present.
0: Well, you know how I look at it. I, some of the, the people that were sincerely praying were praying for right. some kind of supernatural intervention. And maybe there is something like that. I, To me, it just doesn't make sense. And it's not relevant to, to me being a fully mature human being. Mm-hmm. But what is never lost on me is that it brings people together and i don't however what is there 50 or 60 people on two teams together they're not gonna i could walk out on the field and say hey listen the terrible thing happens let's do jana they're not gonna they're not gonna do that <laughs> they're not gonna come together in jana right but they came together in something that human beings come together on i think it's wonderful mm. you know if somebody says why am i misled about this or that we can have a conversation but Again, just the, the humanity manifesting in that way, just real care, even if it's slightly misguided, that, those are the things that are meaningful to me. You, know, I, you don't have to be an awakened human being to care for each other. In fact, I see it even more, maybe it's more poignant to me when I see people that really do care about other people and they just don't quite get how to, how to do it you know but they try and you know people have incredible um, levels of courage now i'm not talking about dharma practitioners just things that people are able to do for other people
1: mm-hmm.
0: it, and I, you know i i haven't talked about this recently but I, you know i talk about the 1% is a real crappy part of human life i usually don't use such extreme words like that and the 99% is lost because we're focused on that 1% but humanity at at its core is just damn good but we get lost in the little nitpicky things about the awfulness of this and the awfulness of that that we 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 just we completely miss or ignore our own innate goodness
3: right
0: and so when i see it manifesting not necessarily through the dharma that's what means something to me when i see people acting as human beings Right, you know, So, yeah. boy, I got off on a tangent, but thank you for, thank you for that. I never go off on tangents. <laughs> Thanks. Lord. Did you how, did you finish Did you finish what I you wanted so, to say? Yeah. Okay. Don't no, teach you wrong. Let's keep it quick, will ya? Yeah.
3: Well, <laughs> I
1: can because I got nothing to add to this. No. <laughs> I love
0: it when I leave you speechless.
1: Really? No, it's. Uh, um... I remember the days when I was really confused about the five that United States yeah. actually brilliant teacher. <laughs>
0: world's greatest teacher. I'm
3: not so
1: confused <laughs> you you know, it's just, anymore. It's just how we manifest and you know, how, we, how we exist in this in this way. That's it. Before, before the Dharma uh, clarifies all that. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. And, you know, I, I will take credit for being that brilliant teacher, but you need to take a lot of credit for the work you did yourself. Mm-hmm. And all of us do. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there really is, there's nothing, rem- I, all I'm doing is teaching something that changed my life for the better that a so human being figured out 2,600 years ago. You know, that's that's really not a big, a big accomplishment. Mm-hmm. You know? No,
1: but I finally recognize it, and I saw that it, that it applies to me too. So.
0: By you coming to class mm-hmm. twice a week, for now, 112 years, and you finally got But really, I mean, I, I always say, if you want to look up right effort in a dictionary, you'll see Rom's picture, and a lot of us do. But, you know, there were times where I still remember that one retreat. You said, what is this eightfold pen? There's a lot of nonsense, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. And I said, you know, you're right, keep coming. And, <laughs> and I did And you did <laughs> <Stop> it. <teaching> David. <data. laughs>
1: I'm, I'm good teacher. Thank, Thank you, baby. Yeah, I think Reverend Park
0: has something to do with it. Seeing the joy in that man, we get to see him in the June. All right, does anybody else have any questions? Does anybody else? Um, I don't. I'm not asking. Do you have complete understanding of the five clinging aggregates? But is anybody confused? Man, I am a good teacher. Uh, and we're just going to go deeper into this and there'll be more understanding over the next six classes. Uh, but we'll finish today, as we always do, with Metta. And the Karuna and Metta Sutta. So, again, take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath. And let that mindfulness of your breath unite your mind and your body. You need it. These are the Buddha's words on Metta. This is what should be done Even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful class tonight.
3: Peace. Thank you, John.
1: Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye.
3: Good night.
2: See you all (laughs) soon.
1: Thank
0: you for listening.